this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hey everybody, welcome to another Commission podcast. Uh, this time we're talking about Star Wars, Return of the Jedi. Never heard dif- of it. Couple differences in uh, what we're doing here. Number one, we're we're live in front of a studio audience, and uh, this is commissioned by Fernando Rodriguez, uh, uh, previous commissioner of What Dreams May Come and Goonies. Which that was won, a good one. Won a Baldi's Award last year. Uh, he selected Star Wars, and his note was, "If you can get this done around the new Star Wars, uh, that would be ideal." Well, we we literally skipped every other movie in the queue because we wanted something that's kind of family friendly and something that like was very accessible. And I don't know if like some of these things, like Lahaine or Rigoletto, were going to get the the job done, or Laura, the the the, the movie from 1944. I, I feel like I'm talk. I feel like I'm talking these other movies down. I'm just saying they're not a general audience's type of movie. Everybody loves Star Wars. Everybody loves Star Wars, and we're at the we're at the Huntsville, uh, Alabama. Rocket City NerdCon, so it seemed like it'd be appropriate to 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 go deep, go deep into the commission archive list and 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 pull out Star Wars. And we're a month. We're like we're like we're a month and a couple of days away from the new Star Wars movie. Yeah, can you believe it's coming it? Up. Uh, uh, are you excited for the new one? Yes, yes, I'm excited. <laughs> Great, that was I, awesome. I'm I'm afraid <laughs> I'm afraid that I'm afraid that the trailers have spoiled us though. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go on my spoil. I don't want to go my spoiler trailer rant. It's like old hat at this point. Um, so, what did you think of Return of the Jedi? Uh, you know, I actually thought it was pretty good. Uh, that might be shocking to some people, but yeah, I mean, Return of the Jedi is awesome. I man, everybody I'm sure wants us to like rank our Star Wars yes, movies. Yes, they all do. Ugh, all I don't want to do it. Can we just stop at like Empire Strikes Back is still the best? Yes. Okay. I'll agree with you there. And then so many people like argue about Return of the Jedi being better than New Hope, or some people are putting the Force some people Awakens are putting in there. Re- even Revenge of the Sith better than like Return of the Jedi whoa, if they whoa, really whoa. hate Ewoks. Whoa! Yeah, some okay. people. I I I think I think I actually like Return of the Jedi better than A New Hope. Okay. Like and it's, and especially like if you took out, I mean, there it's hard it's hard to say, but like A New old, Hope is so important. Return of the Jedi feels less important to me. That's true, but it's more fun. Yes, it is that. Like there, there's a couple. <laughs> there's a couple. Like I mean, we're gonna. We got. We got. We got a strong. Uh, we got a strong Ewok contingent there, here. There are. Yeah. We're gonna get to there. We're, we haven't even gotten to the first act. All right, calm down. We got a lot. We got a lot of podcast here. Uh, <laughs> You're gonna lose your voice by the end of it. Trust me, I do all so, the time. So should we just do like on the movie? The movies like this, where everybody knows, we just kind of like, like launch right into it. So are you ready? I got a topic for you. 
Oh, we're not going to talk about the history, our personal histories with Return of the I, Jedi. I feel like that we've got that in 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 Star. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, that's fine. Because as I was talking to the cupcake lady, who is a, a rabid pro Ewok proponent, uh, I the, like Return of the Jedi is the first movie, the first Star Wars that I saw in the theater and sat all the way through. Because A New Hope came out in '77, I was born in '76. I was four years old when Empire Strikes Back came out, and I made my father take me out of the theater when Luke got his hand cut. The Wampa about made me crap my pants. The Space Worm did actually make me crap my pants. And then Luke getting his arm, his his hand cut off, made me want to flee the theater in tears. (laughs) And my my dad, I can say a lot about my dad, but he's a saint for not for, for for doing that because he walked out before the biggest, most iconic reveal of all time. Um, but it, uh, Return of the Jedi is the first one where I sat the whole the whole way through and enjoyed it the way a kid should enjoy a Star Wars movies. Uh, what is your you're a little bit younger than me, Jim? What's your relationship with it? Yeah, I was born in the same year that um, Return of the Jedi came out. I think is that eighty two, eighty three. I think eighty three. Okay, so I was one year old when Return of the Jedi came out. Needless to say, I did not see it in the theater. Yeah, uh, a true fan. Not a true yeah, fan. not a true fan. I actually think the first time I saw this movie is. Um, on a VH, a bad V. So, my aunt and uncle loved to get blank VHS tapes and record stuff off TV. Yeah, in like the worst possible quality over right. their bad satellite. Not even satellite the, the, they're TV. They're the monsters that cram six hours TV. of television in the. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and they do the whole thing where they pause for the commercial so it doesn't actually record the commercial, so they have just a pure movie experience. So I saw it on a badly recorded TV version of Return of the Jedi for the first time okay. on a VHS tape. Yeah. I mean, a whole terrible. generation of fans lived off bad DHS tapes. Yeah, no, but it was glorious, too, because, you know, I got to see Return of the Jedi, and it was awesome, even on television. But that was just so cool. Is like when they did the advertisements for the special editions that came to theaters. It's like, for the past 20 years, fans have only seen Star Wars this way, and you had this shitty... Sorry, I'm going to try real hard not to swear, but that is not the way we do podcasts, so... <laughs> Apologies the, to all the children the in the audience. Only the power the children's section that I can see from, from the, the is going gonna, is gonna to compel me. Um, okay. All right. Well, like I said, I'm going to try to keep this PG-13. Um, what was I saying? Oh, uh, they, they had that thing where it's like you're, you're, you're in this big theater and in the middle of the screen is this little you know, standard definition television. It's like, if this is the only way you've seen Star Wars you haven't seen, and, like, the, the, there's an X-Wing coming at you, and then just busts out the TV screen, and then it launches right into, like, the, 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 the trailer for the entire trilogy. That was super cool. First time... Yeah. Is that the first time you've seen Star Wars in a theater? Uh, oh, for the special edition? Yes, yeah. absolutely. All um, right. I was way too young to hit it in the theater the first time around. All right. Can, so can we talk about Star Wars now, or do we have to sure, keep, keep sure. talking about you really our personal want to. relationship with Star Wars? I thought this podcast was about us. Not Return of the Jedi. It's about many things. Uh, first up, the appropriate amount of respect to show one Lord Vader. I, <laughs> it seems like everybody in A New Hope treats Vader like a word that rhymes with itch. The second movie, in The Empire Strikes Back, he is just force-choking fools left and right, doesn't care, everyone's uh, terrified of him. Uh, this movie, uh, you know, he, he, he shows up um, at, and, and, like, he's laying down the law and he's, like, cracking the whip and getting the Death Star back. And, like, and then when we see, like, um, Rogue One, he's got this, like, castle on Mustafar or whatever. And 
it's weird because it kind of tried to subtly retcon that like uh, the one Grand Admiral was in uh, a, a competition with Grand Moff Tarkin, but then in A New Hope, Tarkin's actually holding Vader's leash. Did did something happen between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope where Vader was on the outs with Palpatine? Hmm. Because I don't understand how he got knocked down so many pegs to where he was just like. Yeah, it's really uh, the the true threat here is the emperor, right? Everybody's scared of the emperor, right? Not so much Vader, right? But that's not yeah, case, that's not the case in know. Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. He's back on. Like I feel like he's he's back in power. I would like to see a movie set before Rogue One and after Revenge of the Sith to show like did Vader like start to try to go back to being a good guy? Like he's like, you know what? All your BS and lies have got brought me nothing but pain and suffering, Palpatine. I'm going to like I don't know. Adopt a puppy. I'm gonna start to can drive for homeless people in Coruscant. And pa- Palpatine found out and like, no, I'm putting the end to this. And you're gonna be back. To, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give uh, Moff Tarkin your leash, and I was gonna humiliate you, I get mean, you back on. Because he knew his boy was gonna show up and really, really test Vader's evilness. And Vader wasn't evil enough, so he had to crack down mm-hmm. on him. I think it maybe it happened when he became more machine than man. Like that, that kind of like brought him did, down. Did you see lose... Revenge of the Sith? That <laughs> happened in Revenge of the Sith. I know. Yeah. Literally, three fourths of him was removed. Machine. He's more machine than man now. But he's really got the full force of the Empire behind him in A New Hope. And then in A New Hope, the Death Star is blown up, right? And it's like, oh boy, we're not actually that awesome. The Rebels kind of scored a point on us. I feel like the Emperor has a lot to prove, and Vader being second fiddle has even more to prove. Are you saying that the Empire Striking Back in The Empire Strikes Back was as much about Vader getting his groove back on as it was the Rebel Alliance getting punished? Certainly. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's how Anakin got his groove back is the subtitle for uh, Empire Strikes Back. I will accept that. (laughs) Um, That's canon now. So, like, again, if you haven't listened to Bald Move Podcast, these are just essentially random observations that I'm making. Uh, does tor- does torture work on droids? I my my second point. Why would you program a robot to feel pain? <laughs> Is that something that Jabba does as a mod? Like like what possible? Like you know, I get it. You feel pain in the sense of like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like as I take damage, my my sensors report signals that tell me that, and you would call it pain. But he's not like I oh got my arm. This really stings. <laughs> you know, it's like he's very stoic about it because it's just data, right? Yeah. Not like Brent Spiner data. It's just data. It's just data. It's data that he's getting into his mate. And it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta pull my hand out of the fire, or it's gonna, it's gonna go up in flames. These, these robots are begging, <laughs> begging for the sweet release of death in Jabba's torture chamber, and they're screaming. Yeah, it's. My, my, I'm not my, sure how that works. My, my theory is that Jabba employs a team of hackers to put in pain subroutines on the robots just so he can punish them. <laughs> because before, like before that, like you know, an astromech like. I don't know, but R two D two screams when he gets hit by a turbo laser. What what yeah. good is that? I don't want a tur- I don't want I don't want my astromech screaming in pain as he's just taking fire. <laughs> I want him to fix my my nail down that stabilizer. <laughs> I don't care if you're on fire. Your 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 dying thing should be nailing down that stabilizer. Yeah, we'll replace your circuits when we get back. Just right. fix the ship. Right, and that's also like there's this low key like second class citizens throughout all of the like the only one that gives a hoot 
about R2 and at, at the end of A New Hope is C-3PO. Live audience, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody else, Children like, in the audience. Like, like Luke's like, oh, I'm sure we'll get R2 fixed up, no problem. Like, like C-3PO, he, he's like sweating bullets. Why would you program a robot to feel emotional pain for other robots? <laughs> and then treat them like slaves? Yeah, uh, that seems pretty sadistic on Jabba's part. Also, to make the point that Luke Skywalker is not a hero... He sells C-3PO and R2-D2 to Jabba the Hutt without their consent. They didn't even know that this was part of the plan. R2 or, did. I think R2 did. Okay. R2 goes in there knowing, because he recorded he the message, He told R2 because right? R2 can't communicate with anybody. It's like telling it's, it's like telling your, it's like telling your mute deaf friend that like all the plan you can't hear and you can't communicate. You have no mouth, but you must scream. <laughs> no, the only like, person he could have told is the one person he didn't tell, which is C three PO. He's a monster. Yeah, R two's <laughs> the biggest villain of the movie. Luke comes in this movie, force choking people like he's uh, one lightning bolt shy of a Sith Lord. He's 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 slave trading droids. He's force choking <laughs> pig guards. And he's like, that's, that's, I think it's actually, I haven't covered, this is another level of storytelling George Lucas is like, he's like, he's saying that like, you know, this guy's like on, on a razor's edge. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just close to kissing his sister and going to the dark side. Um, did you know, like some, some things like in the expanded universe is cool. Like, did you see that as C-3PO and R2-D2 are coming into Jabba's palace, there's like this horrifying glass spider thing that's crawling in the background. I and like think the EU helpfully that. tells us that that is some race of space monk that has had their brains removed right. and put in these glass bowls in the spider body and these like and I, now the thing is is like I, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, shaky in my EU at this point I can't remember if the plot is these monks did that because they're less ascetic and the joke is that Jabba has moved into their like monastery and like has turned it into this palace of hedonism and torture and pain or Jabba himself did that to the monks because he's such a cruel and bad guy. Hmm. Anyone I, know? Anyone know a ruling remember. on that, cupcake lady? The, <laughs> all right. The EU on that is you're right on the first one. You're pretty close on the first one, except for Java moves. When Java moves in, he uh-huh. basically enslaves them. Okay. Java's big on the enslavement. So lying and sl- okay, it's that's de- definitely definitely part of his character. That's Jabba's mo. Um, do you know what's part of Bib Fortuna? So Bib Fortuna is the Twi'lek Twi'lek um, major domo. He's always referred to as a major domo. Um, only other major domo I know is the Toucan Sandbird and Lion King. Still not sure about the the the, the rules and responses. I guess he's a butler. He's got quite the flair mm-hmm. for the dramatic. He does. Did, you, did you check out him like Vanna Whiting R two D two as he's like, you know, as he's like, he's like, he's like, I felt like he was one of Bob Barker's beauties, like going over a box of raisin bran, like you know, and also <laughs> right before he leads the droids to Jabba, he strikes this pose like, Nibara no Jabba, <laughs> Te Wonga Wonga, and and he's like, he's like, just vamps off screen. Where did huh. that come from? I don't. I mean, it was probably the actor himself going, "This is my chance." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Let's do this. I'm going to learn Hatties. I'm going to strike some poses, and it's fame and fortune from here on out. Yeah. This is the last one they're making. By the way, like, you, uh, did that guy die? Because, like, where is he at the cons? Where is Bib Fortuna at all the cons? I don't know. He is? Okay. Well, there you go. 
Somber note from the That's... cupcake lady. Energy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so, I felt like I would have known that answer ten years ago because I, me and my friend group, you included, we all had this game where we would just play Star Wars trivia while we were stuck out in field oh, service yeah. for hours on end. Oh, and yeah. I had, uh, it's amazing the stuff that I retain and the stuff that I don't because, so Jabba's little disgusting lizard creature, the Kowakian lizard monkey, uh-huh. as as his race is known. Uh-huh. I don't remember his name, but I remember his race. Okay, why do I remember that? Um, I can tell you Chrome. three different types salacious of, of land speeders. Salacious Chrome. Yes. yes, it's Salacious Chrome. I just Chrome. beat you in Star Wars tri- trivia. Well, it took I me told 27 you years, but I've got the crown, and it's here recorded. <laughs> no one can dispute it. All right, but I get to ask you a question back. Name okay. me three different types of land speeders. Three different models. God damn it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. Um, I should have had We should. You know what? We should have a swear jar. Yeah, and at the yeah, end of it, we donate to the library. How could they be mad at that? We it's just hand it, hand it to the children, children in the audience. It's, it's the perfect amount of it's, it's <laughs> Go buy judo. some candy, kids. It's like, yeah, we're Forget swearing, this but ever it's, happened. it's for a good cause. Um, so it's all like like the T-51. Like the, I yeah, remember the Best Friend Motors, Void Spider, THX 1138. You got the Ubriquian 9000 Z01. All right, well, you got me on stupid. that. You got it's me stupid. It's stupid. I don't I, know why I remember this stuff. I'm not a gearhead. Um, you know what I really remember? I remember... And this, kids, cover your ears. Yeah. Uh, I remember rewinding about a thousand times to try and see if I could find the, the mess up with the Twi'leks boob in the dance scene. Totally. Did you know about that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. When she gets... We got a wardrobe malfunction that when, made When she gets screen. dropped to her death, yep. the one piece of titillation... Well, not the one piece of titillation, Star Wars universe, but yeah, she, she, there's a nip slip. There's a Janet Jackson-style nip slip as she's sliding to her death. Yeah. Oh, man, I rewound that horrible TV VHS copy so many times just trying to see it. But it was so blurry. So yeah. blurry. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to check it out. In the, you know, I, I, I should have checked it out on a Blu-ray. Yeah. Crystal clear. I bet in the special edition they airbrushed it out. Yeah, they, they turned it into a creature or something. The, 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 the like, that black sings star a song. thing that Janet Jackson had on to, <laughs> to cover it up. Um, can we talk about Jabba? Uh, is he one of the most perfect character designs of all time or what? He's great, yeah. And like, the fact that he's a puppet and not CG like he would have been now, or like he has been yeah. since then. Like a six-man puppet. There's dudes that are controlling his eyes. There's a dude that controls his mouth. There's one dedicated dude that's controlling his tongue. There's a person controlling his tails. and both. There's one guy for each arm. It's amazing, and it looks so good. And I want to know, the people doing the CGI for the special editions, have they ever seen Star Wars? Because how can you take Jabba from A New Hope and think he looks, he's not the right color? He's not mm-hmm. the right shape. He's got like like maybe he had work done. Maybe maybe Jabba was super ugly and like he became a criminal, like a, a real crime lord between A New Hope and uh, and Return of the Jedi. And he had some work done. He had a chin. He had chin's job. Uh, he had his like his teeth fixed. He had his nose crooked. You know, it was straight, but now it's crooked. Uh-huh. I I can't. I don't understand how these guys can 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 get the CGI for like Yoda. In uh and 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 Jabba and say yeah we did a good job let's let's cut and print this because this yeah, puppet tough. looks so good all the puppets look so good I mean I can't say enough about Frank Oz's team like that scene where Yoda dies yeah looks fantastic I mean that looks like an actual creature that's on screen right as opposed to a lot of the CGI that you see even nowadays right. Those types of things. Yeah, yeah, I think it was just a, a matter of them trying to do cutting-edge stuff that had never been done before. Yeah. 
because they were really on the cusp of CG stuff, like CG creatures especially. And that's why it's like, I'm, I, was, I was watching this, I was like, is... Because there's a lot of talk about, like, you know, when The Force Awakens came out, like, it's it's now the second best or third best Star Wars. I'm like, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say anything bad about The Force Awakens because I think it's awesome. But as I was looking at, like, Jabba's set design, like, mm-hmm. how really amazing and how many distinct set pieces are designed. He's got his hookah with the lower uh, float bowl for his frogs that he can throw into his mouth. He's got the, you know, the retractable throne that leads to the Rancor pit. He's got the the sail barge. Like, there's so much awesome set design, and it makes so many cool, fun adventures. People can slip and fall down to and fight this big monster, and mm-hmm. you know, R two can rocket a, a a lightsaber over to Luke as he's about ready to go into the Sarlacc pit. In the Sarlacc pit, Sarlacc pit. It's a super. It's super cool. Yeah, no, the whole what's, the whole sequence is awesome. What's cooler than the Sarlacc pit in The Force Awakens? Uh, nothing. Just I'm talking about just set, just uh, a set. A lightsaber with two littler lightsabers coming out the, the side. The, the, the lightsaber mustache. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. No, there's nothing as cool in it. Um, and partially it's because this was kind of stuff that I hadn't seen before. You know. Right. Um, it had like this imagination that, as a kid, just went beyond my own right. in a way that. I'd never seen, and now as a 35 year old man, it's a lot harder to get back to that place with yeah. the new stuff. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I I really like it. The other set design that I think is really cool, if maybe a little questionable as far as function goes, uh, is the throne room, the Emperor's throne room. Yes, such a cool set. I mean, that feels like where that guy sits. For... OSHA would never approve that. No, that no, it's just an area. open pit to the power core. It's the, the it's emperor's guards need to like form a union and get some guard yeah some some guardrails in there. But it's so cool looking. Oh yeah, I just really love it. Um, can we talk about? So, so, so I don't want to leave Jabba. Let's talk no, about. No, no, I want to talk about the. I want to talk about the musical interlude. Oh boy, and the special okay. editions. It adds nothing, right? Well, here's the thing. I don't know if Lucas understands his own movie sometimes because I thought the whole point of Jabba's band is they kind of suck. You're not going to have, like, hmm. the best music. Like, you're not going to have a really impressive Broadway-style musical show in Jabba's Palace. You're going to have some seedy, barfly, outlaw, biker gang kind of... It, it's like the Blues Brothers. It's not, it's, it's not something on Broadway. And, like... So Jabba's also stingy because he's got the money to hire a no, good band. He has band. no taste. He, he has, has no, no taste. taste. He decorates his palace with slave g- girls. He has no... Oh, yeah. That, I want to talk about that, too. And that's the thing. Like, like I felt like this... The, whole, the, the thing is, like, not only can he not think of a better way to introduce it than loop footage of Jabba and make it in the subtitle say, ah, do that again, which is already a crime. <laughs> but, like, the three backup singers, they're doing the... Ooh, yeah, nah, and they, they got these... They got the, the weird uh, mummy-looking dudes banging gongs in the background, like, doing this, like, weird King mm-hmm. Kong skit. It's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. They got Boba Fett macking in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, at least he got another scene. Yeah, it's true. But I mean, the thing is, is like in the e- like like I also that Lucas didn't pay attention to like the state of the art in the EU because um, they 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 had told like a really fine story about Boba Fett and the Mandalorians and how they're this noble uh, race of uh, warriors and how like Boba Fett is very principled. Uh, uh, a bounty hunter and nope forget all that Boba Boba Fett is just a straight Mac he's got he's he's got a frosty beer he's making time with the 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 the, the, you know backup singers in the band like 
I don't. And then he, he also relax. His, his death is a joke. It's literally yeah. like not only does he does he go out in in a very shameful fashion, but then the movie accents that by making a sarlock belch when he eats them. Yeah, no, it's it's so much of the stuff that is added is added in my opinion to make the movie less serious and sillier and maybe more family friendly, more fun. But then they the super confusing thing is they remove what might be my favorite part of Return of the Jedi, which is the Yub Nub song. At the end, yes. they take that out and, and replace it with something oh, that's, that's so much part? more boring. Oh, easily, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why you would add this stuff that's supposed to make it more fun and then take that out of the ending. Okay. I, I think I know why. I think he wanted to make it less of a localized celebration. Right. But still, keep the Yub Nub song and just let us have that. Right. Um, can, we, can we talk about our complicated relationship with Slave Leia? Please, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Really walking through minefield here, Jim. Okay, let's. I want to real quickly. I'm sure we'll talk about the ethics of it, but I want to leave the ethics out for a moment and ask okay. ask Jabba why. Because like, let's turn this around and let's say I'm Jabba, okay, and I'm sitting up on the yeah. dais, and I'm thinking, boy, I really need a, a sexy slave. Uh, am I going to go find a Jabba to put You're find on a, a chain? female hut? You're going to put her on a chain. You're going to make her dance and wiggle. That would as be a terrifying. As, as, a, as, a, as, a ter- as a Terran human, you're going to have this slug wiggling on the chain, and everyone's like yeah. going to bring her in for a nice kiss. No, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I like, couldn't do it. Why? So why is Jabba so attracted to Leia is my question. Or any humanoid. Yeah. Like, they got the wrong number of uh, legs. legs. They got the wrong number of mm-hmm. arms. They presumably got the wrong number of many other things that uh, a slug like Jabba would find sexy. I don't know. It's inexplicable. Yeah. It's it's hard to defend it just as just as a science fiction concept, <laughs> right? Uh, but also, I mean, the thing about so many of our men from our generation, like that was our first exposure to sexuality. Like I'm seven yes. years old, I'm sitting in a theater. I was not prepared for Carrie Fisher in a metal bikini, chained to this slug. Like you're not only exposing me to the sexualiz- sexualization and objectification of Carrie Fisher's body, you're also throwing some weird BDSM psychosexual aspect into it. Like, you're, you're trying to raise, I guess, a generation of degenerates on that stuff. <laughs> the other thing is, like, so, like, you know, um, as a young man and a teenager and a young adult, I'm like, well, that's the pinnacle of sexiness. And then I start listening huh. to, like, what Carrie Fisher had to say. And, like, she was, like, genuinely bummed out that, you know, the rebel princess leader of the rebellion is going to be reduced to the sex object for Jabba, and she's going to be in this uh, bikini that makes her uncomfortable, and she's going to be chained to him. And huh. and the okay. the bonus for her is like, well, you do get to strangle him with his own chain, which is cool. But if if like like Han Solo is not going to wear a metal bikini and get chained to Jabba the Hutt, even though that makes just as much sense. That would kind of be awesome to see, though. You know, Han escapes from uh, uh, Jabba's clutches, and he gets to say some cold-blooded smack before he shoots him between the eyes of the blaster. Mm-hmm. Leia has to choke Jabba to death with a, a sex toy, essentially. I think it's supposed, to, it's supposed to demonstrate just how bad of a being Jabba is. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It does send some mixed messages, certainly to the, the people who are watching it and maybe weren't well versed in the topics at yeah. hand yeah. when they saw know. it. Like I said, it's like, it's, it's an iconic moment for me as a young man, but right. really bummed out Carrie Fisher. Uh, and it's uh, in retrospect, like every time I see the continue, like, um, yeah, I, I see like the toys of Slave Lay and the posters and stuff. It's like, uh, I don't know how I feel yeah, about Yeah, the those. cosplays kind of surprise me. 
Well, I mean, that still happens. I mean, I know it's an iconic thing, right? And it's very easy to recognize, but and it gets a lot it's of also attention. Kind of weird and gross. Um, how how has Jabba lasted so long as a criminal underlord? Because literally every single hero in this movie has infiltrated his compound within the first <laughs> ten minutes, right. right under his nose. Right. And yes, he catches like two of them, but one of them has a grand plan to take him out. The and one that's and been the there droids the longest, have been working against the him only the whole time. black man in the Star Wars <laughs> right. galaxy Unrecognized. Is, just, is just going around pulling his mask down uh, at every opportunity. Winking and has no at idea. Leia every time he passes her. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. Speaking of Leia, I do think that. She could. She she should have played a little cooler when she's going to unfreeze the uh, like Han. Like she lowers the thing. The first thing goes wrong is it drops and makes this kaboom <laughs> boom. Like if I was if I was sneaking out of my parents' house, that's what low stakes <laughs> I'm talking about. And step one of my plan made a large boom boom boom. I would like go back to my room and pretend to be asleep for at least ten minutes and just see. See how the scene unfolded. Do I hear footsteps? Just get them. Do I hear doors entered? Do I hear creaking above? Or my did my parents hear that? No. Okay. I will then sneak back to the front door and try to open it up with that less boom this time. (laughs) She's like pauses for one second, flips a bunch of switches. You got this. Wow! 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 Melting sound. Your boyfriend starts pops out. You start croaking in not even a stage whisper about carbonite sickness, and he's asking questions at full volume. Where am I? Who are you? Why, don't Why my can't eyes I work? see? What's going on? Job is like, no wonder you got caught. This wasn't, like, as a kid, I thought this was some kind of elaborate plan by Jabba. No, no. she was just noisy as hell. That's why he's laughing, because it was a bad plan. It was a bad plan, but I think it was part of the plan. Like, I yeah. kind of think after, you're supposed to understand that the whole plan was everyone to be captured except for Lando, who's mm-hmm. been there again the longest. He arrived, a, like, like, shortly after Empire Strikes Back, right? Uh, yeah. the, the plan, I mean, it's a complicated plan, but the plan was the droids would get captured, and C-3PO is not part of any of this plan. For whatever reason, R2's got the lightsaber. Luke's going to jump off the diving board. He's going to catch the thing. He's going to free everybody. Han's going to be blind and shoot. Lay- I mean, it's it's it really doesn't hold together. Yeah, it's a it's a rough plan. I feel like I Luke just came up to everybody, and said, "You know what? Go get captured, guys. I've got right. this." And no, and and the reason that all went together is because Han. Uh, he's the only one that's willing to say, you all have delusions of grandeur. You're going to do in here and do what? Your, your plan is to all get captured and thrown through the rancor and you get s- sexually slaved. And no, 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 no. Like, look, I'm the smuggler. Let's, let's actually smuggle people in and have hidden compartments. Let's do this commando raid. We really missed Han Solo. He was like the bra- – yeah. I think – I think that he's actually the brains of the outfit. But let's no, let's not give him too much credit because he does screw up pretty badly on the moon. Okay. Once they get don't to, don't get to, to the, the third moon. act, man. You're, you're, you're I know, rushing, but me. we're still in the first act. But I just don't want to. I don't want to get too high on Han right now. Yeah. Because he brings himself low later. Can we talk about the Han and Chewie reunion? Okay. That's a genuine. That's a genuine moment. It's a great moment. Yeah. Like it makes and it makes the stuff in the Force Awakens even better. Like you know. Chewie is the only one that really reacted and was that bummed out to Han dying. Mm-hmm. Even Leia is just like, eh, you know, kind of, you know, in, in, in retrospect. She saw it coming. She, yeah. It was as she foretold. We've been on the outs for a long time. He's like, I thought he was just going around collecting space junk for the last five years anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a bad example for our son. He's now a murderous Jedi. Makes sense. Like, like Chewie really loves Han. He's like petting him and hugging him and like Does you know. he or does he just have the life debt and he kinda has to keep up appearances? Well, you know 
I have no answer for that. <laughs> okay. Like, it's like, I mean, at what point does a life, like, maybe this Wookiee life debt is just, is just a way for them to cover that they fall in love that quick. <laughs> like, 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 you know, Wookiee's in line behind you and you're like, hey, you know what? I'm flushed this league. I want, I want to pick up the guy behind me. I want to pick up the guys behind me tab. He rushes out of restaurant. I owe you a life debt. I can't possibly pay off this burrito. I have to follow you around, and, and my life is yours now. Like, I, I feel like the, the Wookiees are just, like, that quick to fall in love. So they just invented this life debt so it seems like this really cool warrior ethos, and really they're just, like, love sluts. Okay, sure. Um, oh, speaking of special editions, mm-hmm. did you like the random Sebulba jackass creeping around the, the throne room? Like, like th- this is the special special editions, because the special editions came before we even knew Sebulbas existed. Yeah. Or what are the Sebulba race? I don't remember. Doug. They're Dugs. That sounds He's right. especially nasty Doug named Sebulba. Now it's mm-hmm. all coming back to him. He's just, for, uh, apropos of nothing, he's just creeping around on his weird hand feet. Just to give an F you for everyone that hates the prequels. Oh, like, oh, oh, oh no. you want to forget about the prequels? No, I'm going to insert another stupid scene into the special editions just so you can. I'm surprised that like Jar Jar wasn't out in the background making out with Boba Fett just to <laughs> inflict maximum pain because Lucas is that big of a dick. And if you're listening and to this I- podcast while you watch the special editions for the first time, just wait till the end. Just wait till the end. Okay. Because um, that is the ultimate. Uh, I- I think it's time to talk about the Rancor fight. I don't have much to say except okay. for thank God he did not replace the Rancor with some CGI monstrosity. Because, again, right. the Rancor, like, the, we, we're, did you just fart or was that a no. shoe malfunction? Okay, just want to get that on the record because um, we were all thinking it. Uh, <laughs> well, you can do that at will now. All right. Solid podcasting. Um, Stop motion is like this art form that's probably going to go the way the Dodo. We're never going to see it again. And I think that some of the Star Wars stuff, you think of the Adat Walker, you think of um, uh, some of the Tauntaun work, you think of the Rancor. Like these are the pinnacles of stop motion, and they still look really, really good. And to replace them with CGI, especially this, the level of CGI we see in the Star Wars special editions would mm-hmm. be a crime, and I'm glad they didn't do it. Yeah, this was apparently supposed to originally be a guy in a suit akin to like Godzilla. And they did that. They went all out and there are pictures out there on the Internet of the original suit. uh, And it looks ridiculous. And George Lucas hated the effect. And he said, no, we have to do this another way. So they built this 18 inch puppet of of the Rancor and put it in this like 30 inch set. So what you're seeing there is actually really, really small and is combined with. Uh, Luke scenes that are filmed obviously at full scale mm-hmm. and it's combined seamlessly and it looks really really good I mean like I said it's it's you can it's special effecty but like to the level that anything special effecty yeah like there's yeah. there's a very few films where I'm not aware that I'm watching special effects um, sure and, and when you are not aware it's usually stuff that's so subtle that like, you could get away with uh, probably a matte painting so like I'm just I'm just like as I was watching I'm like I wonder why I mean even Lucas himself at must level uh, at some level must have thought like I nailed this it's 1983 mm-hmm. and this lived up to to my imagination yeah absolutely I mean that's the reason they didn't use the guy in the suit because he hated it Sarlacc pit on the other hand yeah that's that's not great I felt like the Sarlacc pit was fine as is like Lucas original vision included an uncircumcised penis down there eating people. 
Like, I don't like, like, I really want, I really want this phallic thing out there, uh, grabbing people and eating them, but we can't, the technology for that big of an uncircumcised unit doesn't exist. They could get the 18 inch one, but not yeah, the but, but I, it's gotta be, it's gotta one. be, it's gotta be like, yeah, it's gotta be man size. So we can just eat, swallow them whole. And like, to me, like the, 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 the static nature of the Sarlacc pit, like it's just, just giant mouth in the sand connected yeah. to God knows what it's the scary part of it. It can't get you, but if you fall into it, you're done. Yeah. Now it's like little shop of horrors down there. Yeah. Audrey too. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand like that. Another like that, I, uh, I, I, and they I also don't, don't they don't seamlessly combine the CG there with oh, the actual no. on set model. It's like clip, it's the laziest thing I've ever seen because it's just clipping all through the mouth of the Sarlacc pit. Like when and the it person comes who out, falls in, yeah, yeah, it's it's terrible. And, and the lighting is wrong, the texture is wrong, everything is wrong about it. Like maybe that is his vision. He's like, okay, I got CGI. I'm going to flex my CGI muscles. Uh, but he looks at him like, oh no, no, that's bad. Like like seriously, I see this guy's hand coming out the other side of its its mouth. Like it's it's not working. Cut it. But he left it in. Yeah, that and Sabulba, yeah. uh, it, it worked. But the battle itself is still so damn entertaining. It is, yeah. I mean, it's a shame that, you know, Boba Fett goes out like that. Uh-huh. But uh, everything else about it I love. It's, it's got comic elements with, with Han and Chewie and Lando. Right. Uh, it's got very exciting heroic elements with Luke and Leia. It's kind of a love letter to this, this like, Errol Flynn, like, uh, pirate-type stuff where people yeah. are, like, swinging from ship to ship and jumping. And, like, Luke is very much like this pirate king that's slashing people down. Um, and it, like also just to set up, it's like this, like the way he films it, it's like some kind of Western where like, you know, you see Lando and then you see R2 getting in position and then like Luke's giving us, and there's like, there's like that little drum beat, like every cut, it's like, dun, 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 dun. And then all hell breaks loose when Luke lights the lightsaber and the Star Wars theme kicks in. And it's like the baddest ass five, five minutes of, again, I did it again. I'm sorry. It's it's so awesome from that point in the in, in the movie until it really doesn't let its foot off the gas until they magnet three PO and and uh, R two out of the ground and take off on the sail barge. Yeah, and even then you're off to the next adventure. Yeah, um, yeah. Do we want to go to to the Luke and Yoda part? Well, I also want to say like how great the character Han Solo is because. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know a person in this generation that has more charisma than Harrison Ford. Like, Kurt Russell is in that neighborhood. And if you go back, there's, like, the John Waynes where, like, anything this guy says, like, like Luke is saying, you know, you don't miss much because don't forget I grew up here. He's like, yeah, you're going to die here. Uh-huh. Convenient. Like, that's kind of a bad line, but he smirks and it works. He smirks and smirks it works. and it works. T-shirt. There you go. Someone can make 20 bucks off of that. <laughs> Uh, okay, you wanted to move on? Yeah, so let's talk about the Yoda scene. Uh, I mentioned earlier how great the puppeteering is, and I, I think I can't stress it enough. I just love the character of Yoda. Empire Strikes Back Yoda is maybe one of my all-time favorite characters when Luke first lands, and he gives him just a complete runaround uh-huh. about being this uh, Jedi Master. And in this episode, you have uh, a much different Yoda, you know, a much more um, somber Yoda who's about uh-huh. to die who's trying to impart one final word of wisdom to his, his student. Oh, and I, I, I dig it. Like, I'm not a religious person, but, like, when he's talking about, like, death being inevitable, it's the way of all things, the way of the Force. Like, it's a pretty nice way to approach the afterlife. And you still have that bit of humor. 900 years old, you become a little right. good not, huh? Right. <laughs> but Yoda's ridiculous and shameful attempt to dodge Luke's honest questions about his parenthood is hilarious. 
Yeah, like, like Luke's like, he should have just said talk to Obi once I'm gone. Yeah, one more thing, Master Yoda, uh, is Vader, my father. Oh, yeah, rest I must, rest I must. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's literally turning over and pulling his blankets over his head like, I'm not here, I'm not here. And like, come on, come on. And like this, this next five minutes of Yoda and Obi-Wan's ghost tag teaming to gaslight the hell out of one <laughs> Luke Skywalker like, oh, it's not our fault. It's not our... It's, it's all from a certain... The, the certain point of view. Yeah. Holy moly. 2017 Aaron is like, oh, yeah, a certain point of view. That's a cloak that can cover a lot of BS. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Yoda tells Luke to pass on what you've learned. I'm curious to see what they do with that in The Last Jedi. Because it seems which, like it blew up in his face. Yes. Yes. And And... Luke Skywalker is very much, from what I can tell in the previews, against the idea of another Jedi. He's he's yeah. against the Jedi Order at that point. So it'll be interesting to see if he's going to pass on that information to Rey. And I, and I remember as a kid, like this scene really kicks the kid stakes into high gear because I didn't know that Luke couldn't die, and he's the last Jedi. And Yoda dies, and he puts a lot of heavy weight on this kid's shoulders, and I'm like, I'm freaking out. Like, there's, like, huge, like, the stakes of the universe, plus I like, I was a Luke Skywalker fan. Um, you know, what, what's going to happen to him? I'm, I'm, I'm really scared. Um, around this point, they cut, to the, they cut to Darth Vader, and throughout the movie, him and Emperor are talking about their plans adjusting. There's, like, this parallel plan of the, you know, the rebels trying to blow up the Death Star, and Vader and the Emperor cackling about how they're just falling into their trap. And like in the mid at this movie, the emperor gives a speech about everything that's happening as I foreseen it. Like bull crap. You either foresee <laughs> stuff or you don't. You didn't foresee everything because yeah. if you did, you'd be cackling at the thought of your dumb ass falling down a reactor shaft, shooting lightning out of your butt, and like just <laughs> like like is the emperor delusional? He can't I, possibly have foreseen that. I mean, I I certainly think he is delusional. Um. But isn't there a certain kind of fog around things with strong emotions um, in in your green side or whatever the hell they call it? I don't know. Jedi? I honestly don't like. Uh, I mean, that, this thing is like, that's what Yoda tells Luke in Empire Strikes Back, right? That's true. Right. Cla- the, yeah. The, he's his vision is cloudy. Although he could be lying to him from a certain point of view. Maybe this Yoda's is very delus- cloudy. Maybe Lo- Yoda's delusional too. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Like. As an adult, I don't think the Jedi are all that's they're cracked up to be. Like in the prequels, they seem like they're just humorless. Like like, like they've 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 they're they're they've run amok. Like maybe ten thousand mm-hmm. years ago, the Jedi had some kind of like reasonable handle on love and fear and like a balance and a happy home life. And but at some point, they became these like weird masochistic uh, monks that denied all emotion that would make them human mm-hmm. or. You know, Mandalorian or Malcalamarian or what you know, whatever the hell Yoda is. Um, I, I I don't know, but like I just thought that's weird. The, the whole point in this movie, the the Emperor is just talking about how everything's just going exactly how he saw it, and then he gets thrown down in a reactor shaft. But you, you so, always cut to Darth Vader going, "Yeah, I foresaw something too, dude." Yeah, uh, this and, was my and vision. The Emperor is like, "Hmm, strange that I have not." Right, you know. So I feel like Darth Vader is getting a different set of visions. Interesting. That may include the death of the Emperor. All right. Uh, Admiral Akbar. Yeah. Underrated, overrated, or properly rated as a character? Properly rated as a meme, certainly. That's the thing. Like, I feel like I really liked Akbar, but 
the meme has made me realize every single time since I've watched this movie that from the second Akbar is introduced, all he wants to do is run away. <laughs> like he can't find the car keys to the Malcar Calamari battlecruiser. Oh, it's, it's you're gonna have to turn around. He gets in, only got a quarter tank of gas. Oh, you know, maybe we maybe we should just turn. It's like every single thing happens, and like if it wasn't for Lando, they would have ran away, and the whole thing would have been screwed up. Yeah, Akbar <laughs> is the biggest biggest coward in the galaxy. And the meme, all it says, it's a trap that has ruined my view because I thought I think Akbar is like a brilliant character design, and mm-hmm. also he looks like a million bucks. This is a dude with a foam squid head on his real head, and I defy you to like detect that as you're watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Just like no one looks at Yoda and's like, oh, that's just a puppet. Like it's just a real character, but he's also the biggest coward in the galaxy. Yeah, no, he is. Uh, do we want to talk about the second Death Star stuff yet? Sure. Okay, so a lot of podcast, man. A lot of people get up in arms about this movie's overall plot, which is essentially a repeat of the first movie right. uh, of Episode Four, because it has a second Death Star. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about this last night, and I think this is actually a pretty brilliant strategy on the Emperor's part, right? Because let's think about this for a second. So, Admiral Akbar uh, very astutely points out it's a trap. Because this is designed to lure the Rebels in. The Rebels cannot resist a juicy target like a second Death Star. Sure. And they know they beat the first. They're like, hey, guys, we got this. Right. No problem. Uh, It's it's designed to lure the Rebels in and deal a fatal blow by, you know, bringing all of their ships, all of their power into one spot. Right. Leaving the super weapon totally intact to then dominate the rest of the galaxy. Right. If they can just deliver that final blow. It's also purpose-built to really peeve off Luke. Right. And turn him to the dark side. I mean, this is a this is not a single fold plan. It is a multifaceted plan that I think is really smart on the Emperor's part. Plus like the whole idea of like, oh, uh, you know, you the, the, the Death Star's got a fatal flaw, why would you try again? Like that's you know, in the Manhattan project, uh, they screwed up on the reactors and it killed a scientist. The U.S. government's like, well, pff, nukes, man, not never again. Or like, let's say they dropped one on uh, uh, Hiroshima or Hiroshima, and it fizzled. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure the rest of the government's like, yeah, this nuke stuff isn't going to pan out. Like, there was a flaw in a super weapon. They could blow up a planet at will. Mm-hmm. The idea that they would never try again is ridiculous, because especially in light of Rogue One, where it was a sabotage, like, we will fix that. That will never happen again. The only flaw is that they should have waited, like, another week till they installed the shield generators, Mm -hmm. because if they couldn't have gone down to the moon and blown up the shield generators, the Rebels would have been bone super hardcore. Yeah. So like I yeah, think it's that like Tidarium like, was not flying. Like how many James Bonds have been about him trying to stop someone from getting nukes, or they've got nukes and they can't use them? Like no one's like, oh, nukes again. <laughs> like the Death Star is the nukes of the Star Wars galaxy. Of course, yeah. of course, they're going to try to keep building them. And they fixed the problem too. Yes. it wasn't like they shot down the same exhaust port the second time. Plus, like the unfinished Death Star is a really cool design. It looks cool on screen. It yeah. looks cool that they're like. Like, how are you going? It'd be one thing if they just flew the trench, blew it up again. But they, like, like flying into the superstructure was super cool. And, you- like, higher stakes, more excitement. I'm totally fine. Like, in fact, the next two Star Wars movies can be essentially going to blow up a Death Star, and I don't care so long as the rest of the movie is good. Because that's a, that is something I think the Empire would try to do. And if the Empire tried to do it, I think it's something the Rebels would try to stop. 
Yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask you how you feel about the Force Awakens then, but I mean that's just yeah, the Death Star planet, right? But like again, the larger Death Star. Yeah, like if what's cooler than blowing up a planet, blowing up an entire solar system? That's yeah. something that I think the First Order would want to be interested in, and that's something I think the Rebels would try to stop. Like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's super weapons, just because they're like space super weapons doesn't make it dumb unless you think all James Bond are dumb because it's dealing with financial crime and nuclear weapons. Uh, can we talk about Admiral Nita? Okay. I don't sure. think he gets enough credit for being a survivor. Or alternatively, maybe Vader's not as big an a-hole as we think. Hmm. Because most of the people he executes in the movies are either outrageously disrespectful to him. Or like, completely incompetent. Like the one governor, it's like, oh, you're a horrifying warlock ways. You're so stupid and dumb and lame. And like, yeah, you're going to get choked. You're, you're talking smack to your superior. And then, like, you know, Admiral Ozl, he's a joke. He's a joke. Mm-hmm. He, he banked on a military tactic that was unwise and alerted the rebels and they raised their shields, so he gets choked to death. One dude, I don't know what his problem was. Oh, oh, he let Han Solo escape when he was latched on the, the back garbage. of his bridge. Yeah. That's, 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 it's, it's like if like Han Solo was hiding in the trunk of a state trooper's squad car and, oh, he got away. <laughs> yeah, force choke him. He's incompetent. He's stupid. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't dispatch some TIE fighter. Like, if he launched one TIE fighter to, fl- to, to look around, he would have seen Han Solo and they would have been boned. So he, Admiral Nita, like, like he goes up and he's like, are you going to let this guy through? He's like, well, yeah. I mean, it's an older code, but it checks out. It's by the books. And Vader, he doesn't force choke him because he's doing something a competent commander would do. Like, I feel like that Vader gets a bad rap because the upper management of the Empire is terrible. See, I read the Nita scene a little differently. I read it as Darth Vader wanted this to happen, and if he hadn't wanted Luke to get in there and Admiral Nita was about to clear him, he would have been force-choked. But why? Because it's, it's an old code. It's an old code, but that is like, was the X like, okay, that's like saying like you get milk out of the container and it expires on November 5th and it's November 3rd. Yeah, it's old milk. What's the point of changing but your codes out. if you're going to take my cereal. old sure. Like, No, no one does that. Like, it's What's either... the point of changing your codes if you're not, if you're going to accept old codes though? But, but the code has a shelf life and without that knowledge. And the shelf life has expired, hence the no, new code. No, he said code. it's an older code. It didn't say it was expired. Older in my mind means there are newer ones that are better. I'm just saying. That, hmm, that is okay. evidence not in uh, available from the the boot. And I, like I said, I, I think Admiral Nita, survivor, competent leadership, hmm. maybe should run for emperor. I think just lucky. I think he's ready for the next step. And Vader, not as big of a jerk as people make him out to be. He's, you know who's he's, a, a little less competent in my mind is Luke. Why did Luke come along for this ride? He knows about the Force, he's right? A he knows. <laughs> For all of his friends, too. I mean, he's I mean the- this is the entire rebellion we're talking about at stake. And Luke is like, yeah, probably shouldn't have come, guys. I should have told you this back before we launched into this mission. Right. But, yeah, Darth Vader can <laughs> totally see me right now. He's, he is in a minivan with half of Vader's immediate family. Uh-huh. <laughs> a, a, a Vader yeah. who can reach out to him through the Force and say, so, you know, and, like, add his back and call. And, yeah, it's a little... Little, I don't, but All I mean, because he wants to settle his daddy issues. Well, it's plus, he's also, he's also a Jedi Master. Because, like, you know, the Emperor and Vader are there, like, you know, uh, in, in retrospect. Well, cause that, then, then he just gives himself up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's, he's acting on visions of his own. That's the thing. Like, everyone's acting on the visions and voices they're hearing in their head. And how can you even criticize that action? They're, we're watching crazy damaged people, uh, like, bounce off each other like pinballs. And at the end, the good guys win. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it all works That's, out. It's real life. That's how real life works. Uh, <laughs> um, man, what else are we going to talk about? I, I, we, just hit a, we just hit a lull, and there's an audience. No, I got, super, I got more. I got super, tons okay. more. Can we talk about the speeder bike scene? Yeah, that's where I was going, too. Um, again, it still looks great. It, it looks great because all they did is they took a guy with a, cam, with a steady cam and they told him to walk through a redwood forest and they filmed it at one frame per second. And when they, fly, when they play it at full speed, it looks terrifyingly fast. Mm-hmm. Like that is a super cool concept. And the rhythm of that scene where it's like uh, speeder bike or scout trooper sees him, takes off, Luke and Leia go after him. Uh, then there's two other guys are kind of waiting in the bushes and they get behind. And then now Luke's got to like jump through and it's, it's, it's super cool. And it's like a set piece that has like all this different levels of velocity and verticality. Like Luke mm-hmm. has to jump off and now he's just got to do this matador routine. Like it's amazing that, how much set piece they got out of that. Like you know, the idea of like, we're going to race motorcycles through a jungle. Yeah, no, it, it's still an amazing scene to this day. I think the one part where I'd start to scratch my head is when, the the stormtrooper comes back for Luke yeah because his goal is not to kill Luke. I mean, if he wanted to do that, he would have stayed and fought instead of running away on a speeder bike. Why don't you think his goal is to kill Luke? He wants to get away to warn the the other oh the yeah other troops. Right. Well, that's the whole point of that scene. Go catch him before they warn the others. That's true. And then he comes back to try and what run Luke over with a flying bike. I think he was gonna he's gonna shoot him with his cannon. At that point, okay. like, stormtroopers didn't have like a operate like he an operational more, manual how to deal with Jedi. They were extinct. He should be more concerned about getting away and warning people. Agreed. His original goal. Maybe he just got so caught up in it. He That's didn't what I'm saying. Realize. It wasn't the original guy that saw that there was a whole platoon of dudes. Like maybe he assumed that uh, Luke was just an exceptionally well dressed Ewok. <laughs> because apparently Ewok stealing spy- speeder bikes are just a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 scout troopers did not really freak out when an Ewok stole their bike. It's just like, ah oh, damn it, this is happening again. Mm-hmm. Got one of these punk ass Ewoks stealing her bikes, like go get him. Like at, I I just was like these guys are just parked out in in the jungle, and they see these speeder bikes racing. Like, I don't know that they knew that this guy, because Luke had jammed his comm signal. Yeah. I don't know that they knew that he was in, like, hot pursuit to try to warn of this imminent rebel commando strike. Okay. But sure, yeah, I'll give you that point. How does R2 get around in the woods? Well, the prequels let us know that he has jets. Uh, that's what I figured. He's flying when he's off screen. Right. Or he's doing that little weird shuffle walk and like he's tripping over vines. It is. It's like not great. Maybe Luke no. is like levitating him behind them. I mean, it's a good thing they had him because he had to open the door. Right. Or, you know, at least try. Um, but yeah, he he could not get around on that planet. No, he's really made for it'd be like trying to take your, um, you know, remote control car from the linoleum to the yard or to your swimming pool or to your swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, it just, just doesn't work. Um this next part's going to be controversial because oh, of the cupcake boy. lady. Uh, Ewoks were supposed to be... There's supposed to be a Wookiee slave camp. Yeah, which originally a, they which, were supposed which to Which makes a lot of narrative sense because we know that the Wookiees were enslaved by the Empire and they're physically large and strong and they'd be used for some kind of massive construction, uh, the, um, construction project like the Death Star. And mm-hmm. they're supposed to find this Wookiee slave camp and free them. And then you've got an army of Wookiees plus the rebel commandos facing off against the 501 or whatever stormtrooper legion that the, the emperor's best legion is um george george lucas got the bill for how much it was going to cost to get like two dozen peter mayhew like tall actors and he's like holy crap let's call up the screen guild for little people oh we can get a bushel of them for five cents 
All right. Chopped a Wookiee cut. That's literally what happened. Wow. The little people were super cheap, and the tall people were super expensive, so we decided to go with Ewoks instead of Wookiees. Yeah. George <laughs> yeah, Lucas totally what George happened. Lucas wouldn't pay tall people scale is it makes why so, we got Ewoks. It makes so much more sense, though, because now, look at that scene. I always think, man, Luke could bust out of this at any moment he chooses and take on every single Ewok in the pack. Right. I don't know that I feel that if they're six, seven feet tall, you know? Right. The other thing, I guess, from a storytelling perspective that makes sense, because I'm not an Ewok hater. I'm just saying, like, how cool it would have been to see a bunch of Wookiees rampaging through the Imperials. And maybe a little bit believable, but the other thing that Lucas said is he wanted to tell a story about like a primitive people overcoming a highly technically advanced people, which, by the way, doesn't happen in real life. Like, look at world history: guns versus arrows, mm-mm. people on foot versus horses, mm-mm-mm. Uh, people with machine guns versus spears mm, doesn't work. Uh, it works in this space because of the force or something. But like, I don't know, like why. And he's like, well, it wouldn't make sense because, like, Chewbacca is the pilot, is the co-pilot of Millennium Falcon. But, like, the, the point of Wookiees aren't that they're – like, like if, if the Wookiees are a primitive people, it's not like they're stupid. Mm-hmm. It's just they're primitive. Like, humans haven't gotten smarter or dumber for, like, 100,000 years, but we knew less and we we're more primitive. If I, if I went back 10,000 years ago, kidnapped some random Egyptian – and then gave him four years of like structural engineering class. He could probably like wrench on an, an atlas rocket or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. They're not too, they're not too stupid. So like I, I guess the idea that that uh, Chewbacca flies a spaceship is not incompatible with the ideas that the Wookiees live on a primitive planet. So is that is that why he gave them the whole idea of C three PO being a god? You think maybe to show that this is some uh, a more primitive race oh for sure plus the fact that they're using a bow and arrow and all this well yeah obviously um but also like speaking of c-3po as a god is he a god or not they think he is i don't why do they blow him off like 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 if your god says whoa 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 i don't care what your scripture says don't eat my friends and your response is more wood get these friends like come on before this this god's getting cold feet and whole eating his friends thing let's (laughs) speed it up like if if he didn't live like like you're god or you're not maybe if you're god you stop and you stop and you eat what the god wants to eat if you're not a god then you just don't listen to him and you throw your friends on the fire yeah, like, no. I don't. I don't know what kind of religion the Ewoks have, but maybe their gods weird. are just kind of like petty and not really powerful, and they're like golden prissy, and they don't. They're kind of wishy washy, and you don't really let them in on your plans, and you trick them and take advantage of them and dismiss their concern. Yeah, yeah, that's totally. That must be their religion. Luke is an is a devotee of the Ewok religion. It turns out. Uh, why did I write down "Hurry up, will ya? I haven't got all day. Is that some C-3PO god oh, yes. on the fire thing? This is another instance of someone in Star Wars being a complete a-hole to a droid. Like, it's the scene where, where uh, like, Han is giving C-3PO, like, three different things to translate. Oh, He's yeah, like, ask yeah. about this, and ask about this, and ask about this, and hurry up, I haven't got all day. And that, like, little half turn that C- the, like that double take that 3PO makes, like, 3PO is aware that he's undergoing... <laughs> wrongful abuse uh-huh. and if, why, if you're going to create a race of beings that you're going to abuse and treat as equipment why would you give them the self-awareness to realize that yeah that's like that's like in westworld they program the the old west uh, sex workers 
to complain about their lot in life and say, this isn't fair. We want to unionize and we want wages and we want to have say on who we're having sex with. Like they just did it because that's the whole fantasy. If you're going to make this race of droids and pay no attention to their feelings, why would you program that feelings? Why would you give them irony? Uh, Where where is the droid revolt that happens in the Star Wars galaxy? It's, It's had to have happened. The Last Jedi. All the Jedis are. Have you seen some of the droids in the EU? You've got these like planet-sized, world devastator droids. Like, if they put two, like, like if they flip the right binary sequence, they're like, you know what? We don't have to put up with this crap. We're called world devastators. All these flesh and blood bags live on things called worlds. We'll devastate them all and rule the galaxy as as everlasting gods. I want to read that until the Jawas show up, and then it's all over. Jawas are the 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 end times for droids. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 they're, the droid reapers. They they tell they tell scary stories around campfires about uh, Jawas. Yeah, that's a great moment with Han. It's one of my favorites uh, when he's keeps twisting up C three PO like that. The other one that I really love is when Leia tells him that Luke is her brother, and you can see on his face the moment yeah. of realization when he's like, "The biggest romantic competition I have has just been eliminated." <laughs> But he's still and, kind and of like weird and confusing and like. But I mean, it's a shocking full, moment. Full on the mouth with tongue kiss him last movie, <laughs> right? Uh, it's a little weird, a little gross, and a little, a little, little like Thronesy. yeah, okay. A little Game of Thronesy, sure. Um, why do stormtroopers wear armor? Uh, to prevent being mangled by rocks and spears, I guess. But it it doesn't really seem to provide any sort of protection. I mean, I know this is a well-worn nerd topic, but for real, it seems like it only makes it hard to see and encumbers them. If, if Mm -hmm. If your plasteel armor can't stop a blaster bolt or a bow and arrow or a well aimed sling, why the hell are you wearing it? The rebels don't wear armor. Intimidation. They figured this out a lot, a long time ago. Intimidation. I think. Hmm. Until, I mean, it until looks you cool. realize that you can take him out with a rock, it's pretty scary. It looks it looks cool. It looks super cool, but it is yeah. the worst, most ineffective armor I've ever seen. Um, but a lot of that the, stuff is like how how does the Jawa or Jawa the Ewok attack cause such pandemonium? There is absolutely no discipline in the ranks of the stormtroopers because when they attack, stormtroopers run in every direction. They all right. They so scramble. I have an answer for this in universe. Oh my god! Okay, I, I hear meditated this one. on this long <laughs> enough. The plan is for to lure the rebels into the trap, right? Uh-huh. So during the first phase of the assault, until they capture the commando team, the Empire is making a good show of being panicky and disorganized. There's a point in the battle where they capture Han and the other commandos, and you'll notice that they start reaping a grim Ewok harvest. Suddenly, those stormtroopers know how to shoot. They got decent tactics. They're 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 killing it. And what turns the tide of the battle is Chewbacca, Tarzan swinging over, and now they got equal firepower. But until then, it was just like a mop up operation. Uh Um, So I feel like some of that is a little little excusable. A little excusable. Hmm. I mean, like all this stuff is wildly impractical. Like, why would you have a chicken walker on a forest floor that's just littered with like giant redwood sized? things that for them to trip over or mm. can you imagine what it's like to be an adat driver a full-size adat driver on indoor <laughs> like like taking that thing like this giant 60 meter tall elephant and you're like trying to like carefully walk through or or they have to like bulldoze to a whole bunch a of highways yeah. and stuff like why why would you that, that this is essentially the humvee of the star wars galaxy and they're and they're using it in the jungle world like Doesn't yeah hoth a lot of sense tatooine Knock yourself out. You need you need something. I don't know something that flies like an imperial shuttle. Why mm-hmm. the hell 
are they transporting Luke Skywalker on an AT-AT walker? <laughs> they have shuttles. They're all over the place. They do. Yeah, they flew in on one. Yeah. Come, we see them flying come in. Come pick him up, fly above the treetops, and mm-hmm. then land at that little landing pad. Man, There's I'm, an actual landing pad that the AT-AT, the AT-AT walker pulls up to. So many logistical questions. I, I also wonder why... The Emperor says the je- the lightsaber is the we- weapon of a Jedi. Yeah. Why is Darth Vader still using one? He's not a Jedi. Well, dark Jedi. <laughs> Can Darth Vader shoot lightning out of his fingers or not? Is he a Sith? Come on. That's true. Like that's well, you know, that's the thing. The other thing that bugged me about the prequels is when like the Pal- like Palpatine, <sighs> him and Yoda decide to settle things over a lightsaber battle. Mm-hmm. A Jedi Master and a Sith Lord that can hurl entire sections of the Senate at each other and do all kinds of like and lift can can lift spaceships out of swamps and their way to settle a fight is with lights lightsabers it's more elegant it looks cool yeah i mean that's the whole thing like at at walkers atsts they look cool they're very impractical but they look cool stormtrooper armor impractical looks cool uh speaking of ewok death like when ewoks actually start dying i remember as a kid thinking that that's super heavy yeah, like that, scene, and they linger on it too. That scene where the Ewoks, like, it's all fun and games, and like one of them dies, and the other comes back. It's like, come on, this is super fun. We're like killing these stormtroopers, and he realizes his friend's dead, and, and Johnny like, Williams just just takes the volume of the sad music and cranks it to eleven, and like. I just watched a teddy bear get get <laughs> obliterated by space Nazis. How is a se- how is and a seven year old? And I watched, and I watched his buddy that? have a breakdown over his yeah, body. Like this is something out of like like, like a hamburger. It's Hill. Band of Brothers. Yeah, yeah. It's Apocalypse Now. It's 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 Full Metal Jacket in Star Wars with teddy bears. <laughs> Would have oh. worked a lot better with uh, with Wookies, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. Best lightsaber duel in the original trilogy. Is it Obi-Wan and Vader? It's not. No, it's not. (laughs) Is it Luke versus Vader 1 in Bespin, or is it Luke versus Vader 2 above the forest moon of Endor? I think it's this one. I do too. Yeah. Because I think, like, they both have a really natural progression, like, you know, Luke being scared of Vader and then get a little bit cocky and then finding out that Vader's just been toying with them until Vader has to lay down the law. That mm-hmm. was cool. And then Vader just effortlessly, when it was time to do it, just dispatches him. Mm-hmm. This, like, the sheer, like, like there's, there's something predatory about the way that Vader is stalking him through the underbelly of the throne room. And there's, like, this echoing the Emperor going, good, good, in the background. And he's taunting and saying all this crazy stuff about his sister. And yeah. He's mind-raping Luke Skywalker the whole time. That's the subtext. And when Luke finally has enough of it, mm-hmm. it's fury. He is just beating the old man down, and there's nothing Vader can do for to do about it because he's he's yeah, letting he's, he's letting the hate flow, yeah. and that that tells a story. And then Luke rejecting it at the end, like to, every thing, every time I watch it, I still get like I don't and, know, and inspiring chills. inspiring his father to do the same. You know, I mean, there right. are, there are a lot of heavy themes uh, and interesting sort of elemental themes in this that um make it in my mind a better fight than the empire strikes back fight. and again johnny williams with that like coral like almost like a, this mm-hmm. is like a gothic this is like something like sacred and whole like like this is like what if there's stained glass windows in the star wars universe it's going to be luke beating down vader after he taunts him about turning his sister out yeah uh, it's it's really cool and i think it's like i think it's the best lightsaber battle in all of star wars like there are certainly the more impressive ones. More impressive, ones. Yeah. but uh, you know, like 
they also don't have a lot of heart and don't make as much narrative sense. Yeah. And, uh, and this one also leads into one is, in my opinion, one of the most awesome scenes in all of Star Wars, which right. is the Force lightning scene from the Emperor. Right. Can you imagine? Um, I, I don't remember how I felt when I saw this as a kid, but in the theaters, if you're watching this for the first time and all you've ever seen a Sith Lord do is swing a lightsaber uh, and kind of walk menacingly down hallways and suddenly the Force lightning shows up which we had no idea was a thing no idea so unexpected so impressive he's going to kill luke skywalker and it's so hopeless too right i mean it luke skywalker can do nothing against it and and if it weren't for the fact that darth vader is there he's done right uh do we want to talk about the fan theory that's known as the indoor holocaust I don't know what this is, so yeah, I'm curious. Okay, so there's, this was popularized by this astrophysicist in England named Curtis Saxton. Uh, he was bored one day, and he did a bunch of back-of-the-envelope calculations. Because we know how big the, in, the, the Death Star 2 was. It's about 900 kilometers in diameter. That a structure that large being deorbited above the moon of Endor uh, yeah. would be essentially like a extinction-level cometary co- a comet hitting the planet, and like all those Ewoks would have just been obliterated. The whole surface of the, the moon would be raised. I've read Seven Eves, so yeah, totally. There's like no like there's no way you can have that much raw tonnage dump onto a planet yeah. and have it. It'd be like even the, just the friction with the atmosphere itself causes oh, yeah. a heat rise. To where it kills everything on the like planet. Like, imagine yeah. the moon, the Earth's moon, deorbiting and smashing into the planet. It would exactly. be terrible. And there's actually... what I, I did some research on this last night, and they actually spent a little bit of EU trying to... Like, there was, like, like propaganda... Like, imperial propaganda, propaganda that they were using that against the rebels. Is like, yeah, you blew up the Death Star, but what of the Ewoks that lost their lives when all of Endor <laughs> and, like, the rebels denying it? And, collateral damage? Yeah, no, it was, it was, it's kind of cool. But it's one of those things that's, like... Can you, you really know, ask that question when the whole point of that thing was to blow up planets? I mean, yeah, like, but you're saying then the Ewoks. So what should we have made let it- an unwilling, uninformed, noble sacrifice of their entire planet and species to save the galaxy? Which would be if like, yeah, they signed heroes. up for it. it heroes, would, they be get heroes. statues on every other planet. They should. There should yeah. be a statue of an Ewok on every planet in the New Republic. And I think if you said, "Hey, you're doing something to help the." Help destroy the weapon that blows up other planets. They'd probably be cool with it. Okay. Do you want to fight about the the Yub Yub stuff? Uh, are we going to fight about it? You actually like the new song? That's a long pause. I'm, I, per our panel yesterday, I'm developing tension. People are hanging on my response. Um, I think... I like what they were trying to do. So if you if you see this as one continuous tri- this one continuous movie prequel mm-hmm. or this movie thing collection decology whatever sexology um, sounds dirty. If you if you think of this as one big unit, it's kind of cool to see this the, the, the come out like after you've watched all six of these movies and you've been to all these locations to like if you've been to Coruscant. Uh, to zoom out and see, like, the effect that this had on the entire galaxy. The fact that the Emperor Absolutely. is dead yeah. and that the, the the Empire has fallen and there's an open rebellion. Like, the whole – all the galaxy is now the Rebel Alliance and they're finally deposing all that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sweet. But the music sucks hardcore. Yep, terrible And song. the prequels sucked hardcore. So, like, it's just kind of annoying to see Naboo – and like all these other places, like it's a remind, it's like kind of like a, the lingering fart, uh, and in like the the cli- and, and like they got the lingering fart in the climax of one of my favorite movies, and so 
I don't, I don't, I guess I don't have a problem with them changing it. I just felt like they should have done it better, and also the prequel should have been better. <laughs> and if they had been better, then this would have worked instead of not working. Huh. What's your, what's your thoughts? I think, pro I, I, I think I can go along with that. I really love the Yub Dub song. Yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's great. Um, but I, I do understand he's trying to, you know, make this less of a localized celebration, more of a, a galactic thing. Um, so it works on that level. But yeah, the song choice I thought was bad. And honestly, I think they should have gone with maybe the songs that would be appropriate for what they were showing on the screen at the time. So go to Naboo and let's do a Naboo themed kind of song. Oh, you want to like lean into seconds. the prequel stuff, huh? Well, I mean, if you're going to do it, if okay. you're going to change it, why not change it to make more sense? Why this universal song? Right. Um, I, I mean, give the people of those planets an identity rather than just right. this galactic thing. I also like in the background, and this isn't this isn't the change thing, but like uh, Billy Wee, uh, Billy Wee, Billy D. Williams just kind of rocking out. Yeah. He's doing this kind of like, 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 you know, conga, conga thing. I mean, he, pretty cool. he really is the guy who brought the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. He took the last. We shot. haven't even like we're running low because like at, at, at eight minutes they release wolves and chase us out of here. But yeah, um, we haven't talked about Return of the Jedi. I still think has the best space battle in the trilogy as well. Yeah, yeah, it's like, certainly like, the biggest. Like, we haven't talked about it, but like the 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 moment the moment like action and like the ve- like the fact that you got A wings and Y wings and X wings and B wings and the mountain calamari cruisers and like they're taking they're all concentrating fire and taking out the executor and. It's it's super cool and it still holds up like a champ. They didn't have to do any kind of CG CGI BS to make that uh, viable and um, to uh, to a modern cinematic eye. You know, I do think I still like the the battle in A New Hope better, taking out the first Death Star because really? it felt it felt more like a struggle that was almost hopeless. Hmm. Um, this does have that feel, but it's on such a, a larger scale that it doesn't feel quite like I'm the X-Wing pilot in the trench hmm. and I've got to do this thing. And if I fail, everyone's dead and the countdown is on, you know? My counter to that is like the momentum shifted to where that desperation is on the Imperial side. Mm-hmm. Like where like the, the, the worm has turned and the rebels are getting the upper hand and like it's now, it, it's, it's not like Luke and, and Red Leader screaming. It's, it's Admiral... Uh, uh, Akbar. No, 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 Piet, uh, uh, oh. Nita, right? No, that's Captain Nita, Piet, right? I don't know which Ad- admiral yeah. it is. But he's like, he's the one screaming about concentrating forward firepower, and then and, and he's mm-hmm. the one that gets the A-wing, rammed it through his bridge, and dies. They really I, I thought, took I that think Super cool. Star Destroyer out pretty easily. Yeah. They just blow up one of its batteries, and suddenly the shields drop, and yeah. a single ship takes it out. I could go in the fat. Like, there's the other thing. is like, I don't, I, I think that... That is a fan mistake that has been amplified by the X-Wing video games because it's kind of preposterous that you take out the Mickey Mouse ears on a Star Destroyer and it's completely unshielded. Yeah. Why would those Mickey Mouse ears extend beyond the shield? I think what you're supposed to understand is Admiral Akbar just ordered the entire Rebel fleet to concentrate all firepower on a Super Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. They did so. It battered the shields down that then allowed the A-Wing to smash into the bridge and take out the, the ship. I mean, there's but, a lot of design flaws. But you see, in that whole you see thing. And, and the evidence of the fact that the the, the Star Destroyer is, is vulnerable is that they do blow up the Mickey Mouse here because mm-hmm. if the shields are up, they wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. But like the Lucas Lucas Arts people saw that and went herder. If you take out the Mickey Mouse ears, the Star Destroyer is vulnerable, and you can blow it up with with one X wing and, and and X wing versus Tie Fighter. Yeah. Which is super fun, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
But then again, we've just spent this whole podcast talking about how the Emperor's technology. Hell, I actually, I've just convinced myself the Mickey Mouse ears stick out of the shield and they're vulnerable just so the Rebels have a fighting chance. The Imperials are very, they're sporting. They're, they're gonna, he, we're going to spot you. We're going to spot you our styrofoam armor and our ungainly chicken walkers and our Mickey Mouse ears that are ridiculously easy to destroy and just, just lay us to ways. We're still going to beat you, except we didn't. And now who's got the last laugh? Young Anakin has the last laugh. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I don't care that they put Hayden Christensen's uh, face in the end of Return of the Jedi. What bugs me is Yoda should be young and Obi-Wan should be Ewan McGregor. Like, if the idea that, like, as your best self, as your youngest, most vital, heroic version of yourself, then they, all those Force ghosts should be vital in the prime of their lives, in perfect health, and all that. If if like like it, it's 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 like it what it's like the, the Sesame Street thing. One of these things doesn't belong here. You've got you know vital strapping teenage Anakin with old ass Obi Wan Kenobi and super old nine hundred year old Yoda. I want to see like a bright green Yoda, no lines on his face. He's like looking fresh. He's got like impeccable Jedi robes. I want to see Ewan McGregor like twirling his mustache and looking dapper and and like, you know, Attack of the Clones era Ewan. And and then you can throw in Hayden Christensen and it's fine. But having everybody else old and then young, it doesn't make any sense. There are a lot of complicated arguments on that, more than we have time for in four minutes. But Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I I don't like just young Anakin being stuck in there, especially with the hack job that they did with the cgi on it too yeah the, the compositing was not great yeah all right we are we are now ensconced safely in the friendly confines of the baldman studio mm-hmm. not that huntsville is unfriendly no it wasn't but this is much more comfortable yeah i got my chair got my favorite microphone i don't i only have one person staring at me instead of <laughs> five five six yeah uh, there uh, were at least seven people there i think uh, a half baker's dozen <laughs> Uh, so again, as we said in the outset, this was uh, we, we we got the wrap up. We got the we got the important part. The uh, the the dedication. Uh, this was uh, again um, this was again commissioned by Fernando Rodriguez, which you might recognize better from Fern from NYC mm-hmm. uh, on the forums. And uh, he said that this podcast is dedicated to the newest edition of my family. Ellie, who was born back in February. In the same spirit of the Goonies podcast, I can't wait to sit down with my two girls and enjoy watching the Star Wars trilogy through their eyes. For your information, I've already shown a new hope to Katie, who is now five years old, and she loved it. Hmm. Yeah, that's about how old I was, or that's about how old Jack was when I started him on that. Um, now for the final movie in the Fern trilogy. We've had started with Child Adventure. Next was Drama and Spirituality, which he's referring to Goonie goonies the goonies and what uh, what dreams may come mm-hmm. and we finished with sci-fi adventure at the 1983's return of the jedi my personal favorite of the trilogy i couldn't believe this was missing in the bald move hmm. podcast library and it made my choice very easy first i will acknowledge that the empire strikes back is the best of the star wars movies but return of the jedi is the first star wars film i saw in theaters ah for my money as the best lightsaber duel ah an epic space battle, ah, yeah, me and you, Fern, and I feel like it's most the most fun of all trilogy movie of all the trilogy movies. I guess I'm still just a big kid. I mean, that's an important point. Um, if if we're just talking about fun, mm-hmm. may Return of the Jedi might well be my favorite Star Wars. Certainly but, more fun than Empire Strikes Back. But I get, I get, I get, I get caught up with best, yeah, because Empire is just so damn good. It's so good, and it's like. 
it's it's goodness is a pleasure and fun all to itself. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, you can't argue with someone's subjective opinion, especially when it's rooted in a childhood theater experience. I don't have much to add other than four or five nerdy bullet points, since I'm sure you can go hours talking about Return of the Jedi. We made it 90 minutes anyway. I'll just sit back and enjoy the magic. Thanks again. Here are the bullet points. How much time do you think has passed from the end of Empire to the start of Return of the Jedi? Um, hmm. That's a real good question. I would say a year. I think canonically it's been six months. Six like, months? I think they okay. established that because there's... Uh, I've read all of the Star Wars novelizations, mm-hmm. um, the movie novelizations, and there's a scene that was supposed to be, and I think they filmed this, of Luke finishing a Skywalker or his lightsaber and, like, making the final preparations with Leia and Chewie to, like, rescue Han, and they mention, like, explicitly it's been six months. Okay. Whereas there's several years between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It could be a year. It could be a few. It can't be that long, though, right? I mean, how yeah. long has Han just been... Ch- chilling in car- carbonite right that's what i'm thinking 17 years <laughs> <laughs> and the other cast hasn't aged a day nope uh well i mean it's future it's future yeah. medicine it's future medicine They're, they've been in the bacta tanks right and the empire funded all that future medicine which is why like hamill or why, why luke and leia have aged so rapidly in the force awakens <laughs> right you know just like yeah you, you go over through the empire but now your standards of living crash but at least we're free right uh, I always find it funny when Hot Jabba surprises Han and Leia that one of the Jabba's goons is covering C-3PO's mouth. Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. Maybe that's where his speaker is. But still, like, I, I mean, hmm. Yeah, I guess it would work that way, maybe. But I, I just feel like he his head's a hollow metal box. It's like a speaker box. Yeah. It'd be like trying to cover the front of like some kind of uh, desktop speaker uh-huh. it maybe muffle it but it still worked pretty good i don't know uh he wants us to talk also, about princess lay in a sleeve outfit i they, think they i think we start, handle that they, they start laughing before like they really open the door or anything before they reveal hey we're here right uh are they like watching from monitors yeah it or must something? be like a closed cut uh, you know yeah like cctv sort of thing right jabba's got prowler cams right and the first uh-huh. boom they wake up and they they're like what's what's <laughs> what's going on and oh my god look at this someone's thawing out han yep uh that droid is being branded to jabba's palace what's the deal can it feel pain is it just programmed response to heat oh boy oh boy fern we got you covered there yep uh, as you probably already know uh, why didn't the Emperor send or have a stormtrooper call for that big-ass AT-AT to wipe out the Rebels and the Ewoks? I know it's on the planet since we saw it when Vader fi- sees Luke after he turns himself in. They did. It just took a really long time That's to, to say, get they, there. They have to have that chainsaw Mad Max mobile uh-huh. cut a path in the forest to get there, whereas the scout walkers could just kind of nimble their way through it. Although... This is at the rear entrance to the garrison, so, like, shouldn't there be a couple patrol lanes anyway? Probably. I mean, they have to move supplies somehow. Right. I think. I think the. Uh, I, th- I think the the riders are on the Ewok side. Yeah. Because else, yeah. I mean, because what, what the fuck would the Ewoks do to an ad at? Not much. I don't even. I don't even know if their tree trick would work. They're, no. They're smashing logs. Yeah, I think. I think the ad at Walker would just just smash it like those. Like, they'd be like toothpicks. It'd be like trying to yeah. trip me up with toothpicks. So it's not going to work. Plus, I'm I'm bipedal. 
Mm-hmm. You got that four. You got that four leg stability. Yeah, quadruped. Yeah, try try tripping a horse with marbles. I don't think you can do it. <laughs> I don't know how many banana peels. I would you like got. to see somebody try that. <laughs> it's it'd probably be pretty funny. It'd probably be like that. Uh, what was that show that HBO canceled with Dustin Hoffman? Uh, it's a horse mm. racing show, but like they had to cancel it because like three horses died. Oh, just because right. it turns out horses are super fragile. Yeah. So like, yeah, you could you could totally do the marble experiment, but you'd probably maim like uh, like off screen. They drag the horse and like the shoot because he broke three all three of his feet. Uh huh. That's all not, three. That's Plus, you start with a three legged horse. <laughs> right. What kind of fucking Nazi experiment are we running here? Give the horse a fighting chance. <laughs> Jesus, Aaron. Uh, finally, after seeing both the original updated version of Return of the Jedi countless times, I feel the best mix would be to keep the music that Jabba's band plays from the original cut, also remove Boba Fett flirting with the girl, alright, so far so good, mm-hmm. but you keep the new Ewok song from the update no, no, that ends the no. movie, and of course you remove Hayden Christensen no. from the Force Ghost and put back Sebastian Shaw, what yes, say you? Yes, you put back Sebastian Shaw, but you got to keep the Ubnub, you gotta keep it. That's my favorite part of the whole movie. I mean, I I think the new like I, I defended what they were trying to do with the new cut. Sure, but the I understand music what is just to do. uninspired it and is. new agey and just kind of crappy. So and the old song is iconic. Everybody knows that song. Yeah, you see the whole universe unite in a yub nub. That's mm-hmm. what they should have gone. Like Coruscant saying it. Uh, Alder, well, no, Alderaan wouldn't be saying it. <laughs> no, no, they're not saying anything. Alderaan would not be saying it, but yeah, they're saying it in Coruscant. They're saying it in Malastar. They're saying it on Bespin. They're yubnubbing in Kashyyyk. Mm-hmm. They're that'd be the true irony. Yubnubbing on Corellia. Is that that's a that's a native Kashyyyk song actually? Oh, really? So they so they the swapped Ewoks out have appropriated the Ewoks. It? Yeah, they swapped out the Ewoks for the. Uh, Chewie's race. What are they fucking called? Wookies. Wookies. Yeah, Kashyak, and you couldn't summon Wookie from the memory bank. I'm only halfway through my coffee this morning. Uh, Someone put a restraining bolt on Jim again. Get it off. But but they didn't take out the native song, the indigenous song. So, no. See, the Wookie song is Nub Yub. The uh-huh. Ewoks is yeah, it, it's it's yeah. similar similar dialect, but uh, you know, just just a little different, just a little different. Yeah, I, I mean. Return of the Jedi, they just shouldn't have fucked with the period. Like, if they wanted to clean up the matting like they did in Empire Strikes Back, but it's, it still looks great. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that uh, George didn't try to do something crazy like replace the Rancor or something like that because it's yeah. it's just it's just so good. And same thing with Hoth. Like, they put some scenes back. Like, I know there's an extended version of... Luke and the the Wampa ice monster. Uh, I know they added some more color to Bespin. Um, that might be an unfortunate cho- choice of words, seeing how Lando's the only black guy in the old Star Wars trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they added some some world building by taking those uh, stale kind of sterile hallways and putting CGI windows and adding some traffic to it. Like I, yeah. those are fine, mm-hmm. but but really. Really, everything, everything, in my opinion, in in Return of the Jedi is essentially a detriment. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't know. Maybe I did. Fern didn't ask, didn't say why he liked the new Ewok song. Um, but uh, I, I, without knowing that piece of it, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'd say. Don't know how to engage with you there, Fern. Uh, but thank you for letting us watch Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. It made a damn fine, uh, fun. 
fun podcast to do down in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, we hopefully will be getting back to our regular scheduled uh, uh, the, the commission podcast in the future. Uh, we are we apologize to everyone we had to skip because of uh, this business decision we made. But you know, nothing personal. <laughs> <laughs>